It's the July 26, 2019 edition of Weekly Signals Meltdown, a reconfiguration of the last 168 hours of history broadcasting from Studio A at KUCI 88.9 FM, Irvine, California. I'm Nathan Callahan. And I'm Mike Kaspar. And, as always, the new Prime Minister of the United Kingston, Mahler, the fake news dog. Yeah, Mahler. He's been out sniffing this morning. Has he? Yeah, there's some electrician out there in front of the station. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's sniffing. <laughs> well, that's what he does. Coming up, superbugs, microplastics, dishonest Donald, what we already knew about the Mueller report, and more. Mm-hmm. But first, do you still use Facebook, Mike? Only when I get links from Nathan Callahan. Well, I don't send that, for goodness sake. Well, I thought you did. That's Mark Zuckerberg. Okay. He's sitting there up in, you know. <laughs> What's Nathan up to? Whatever that is. Hold on. Get, yeah, my, get, get, sending, get my VP on this. Nathan's yeah, sending out more yeah. videos. Yeah. Our good okay. friend Michael Hiltzik <laughs> at the LA Times writes that the Federal Trade Commission let Facebook off the hook. Yes. Commission fined Facebook a record-breaking $5 billion for screwing with our privacy. But according to Hilsick, the settlement demonstrates the essential toothlessness of the FTC's approach to legal wrongdoing and its unwillingness to bring perps to account. Yeah, that's right. That's because the corrections that the FTC imposed on Facebook will be ineffective and easy for the company to subvert. And Facebook's management, including Mark... And the entire board of directors are receiving a release from all liability for the past violations. All right. That's so the they broke the part. law. Yeah. They don't get punished. The company pays a fine. That's right. And, well, we'll explain a little bit more. Zuckerberg would face potential personal liability, including civil and criminal penalties for future violations. But he could have been held liable this time around for violations of the consent order the company signed in 2012. Why would he think it would be different the next time around? Right. Experts in white-collar crime know that business wrongdoing won't be deterred unless the human beings involved. Well, I don't know. I wouldn't go that far with Zuckerberg. (laughs) In charge of corporations face jail and financial consequences for their actions. That's right. Well, yeah. You break the law. You're making a gazillion dollars a year. Five billion is, as we said, a gazillion times. Price to to doing business. Yeah. 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 And this is especially true in Facebook's case. The fine of $5 billion is huge when measured against other FTC fines. It's a record, but it's still a pittance compared with Facebook's financial haul. Facebook's violations were directly related to the business model that made it rich. During the years of Facebook's law-breaking, its gross annual revenue increase was from $5 billion to over $55 billion. So they were fined $5 billion. They still make $50 billion. Right. That's just in the one year we're talking about. We're not yeah. talking about the multiple exactly. years over which this crime has been going on, being yeah. perpetrated. If they had put a zero behind that and said $50 billion, then this would have mattered. Yeah. And the other tech companies would have paid attention. It would have had a dramatic impact on the tech industry. Well, the hell with that. Put Zuckerberg in jail. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And if anything... The stock market for tech went up yesterday because they saw they they got this behind them 
And now it's clear sailing until yeah. some other regulator gets involved and goes after them, and that probably won't happen. It's, Lock yeah. him up! Yeah. Lock <laughs> him up! Speaking of intertube asshats, yes. from the MIT Technology Review, the Kazakhstan government is intercepting all HTTPS traffic inside the country. And as you know, Mike, HTTPS is a protocol meant to offer encryption, security, and privacy to users. That's right. You go online, you see the S at the end of your HTTP, you know you're secure. It's supposed to be. Yeah. But now under a new uh, Kazakhstan regime, the nation's internet service providers are forcing all users to install certificates that enable interception and surveillance. That's right. Oh, that's nice. That's right. All traffic coming into Kazakhstan. This Wednesday, Kazakh Internet users were redirected to web pages instructing them to install the government's root certificate in their web browser, which enables what's called man in the middle or person in the middle. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Interception of Internet traffic, decryption and surveillance. Yeah. This is one of those uh, former Soviet republics that peeled off with the collapse of the Soviet Union. And it's essentially run by one of the more grotesque, brutal dictatorships in the world. This is a government with which uh, Donald Trump was happy to do business with when he was a phony real estate mogul. The man in the middle scheme is not the only Kazakhstan government's move to increase control of the country through the Internet. The government is a known customer of NSO Group, an Israeli company that sells hacking technology to governments around the world, including dictatorships that use it to squash and squelch dissidents. Don't get me started on the Israelis. (laughs) Yeah, I know, Mahler. I know. We've had this conversation. I know. It's getting hotter, Mike. (laughs) It's getting hotter. Hotter Mahler. New national heat records were set in France, Belgium, and the Netherlands. Temperatures rose to record highs in major cities like Paris, where it was 109, the hottest Paris ever in recorded history. Jesus. Thursday in the Netherlands was the first time temperatures were over 104 degrees, and in Germany it was a record 107 degrees, beating the old record, which was set the day before. The heat wave caused by a huge area of high pressure extending into the upper atmosphere known as a heat dome. We talked about the heat dome before. It's set to roast Scandinavia now before making a run at the Arctic. This will speed up the melting of the Greenland ice sheet and the loss of already record low sea ice. And that sets into a whole chain of ugliness. By all accounts, or most accounts, 2030 is our fail-safe point in trying to control, at least mitigate, some of the damage being done by climate. Yeah, we're in part one of human-caused climate disaster right now. Right now. Yeah. This is really, you're right, Just this is the beginning. Record heats in Europe, the melting in the ice sheet in Greenland, more fresh water in in the sea, rising sea levels. Uh, We're going to get into some more fun stuff that's coming out of the uh, Arctic as well, but uh, this is it. We're in it. Well, you know what, Mike? You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to deny it. Okay. This isn't happening. We are in a situation where people cannot live, said Sasha Gellard, a technician with Le Bon Artisan, a French company that installs air conditioners. 
Gillard said the company's air conditioning business across France has increased exponentially in the past five years. That's great. That'll exacerbate exactly. the climate crisis. Exactly. Yeah. More Freon in, yeah. in the air. Gillard said air conditioning is no longer a comfort. It's a necessity. It's as if people had no heat in winter. Nathan and I have tended to be focused on the issue of climate change, climate damage, climate crisis, whatever you choose to call it. Well, if you're following the news, you can't help it. If you're listening to the Fox News or even all the networks, they generally ignore it. But if you read, you can't help but run across climate damage reports every single day. Every single day. And I do watch MSNBC more than I should, and it is so frustrating. I've become increasingly irritated and annoyed with their whole approach to so-called news they spend hour upon hour talking about Trump, and I know he's a despicable pig, and he needs to go. But this is the story of our yeah. generation. This is the story of our world right now, and the fact that I never see any substantial coverage of climate damage on major news networks in in the United States is disgusting. Yeah. Well, well how many uh, solar panel companies advertise on MSNBC? Right. If this news discourages you, may I recommend a donation to KUCI because you're listening? Just go to KUCI.org. Your generous donation is how we stay on air. Commercial free, free form, free speech radio at 88.9 FM, KUCI.org. A deadly superbug, which is starting to infect humans, evolved because of the climate crisis. Now, this isn't huge yet. I mean, don't no. run out and yeah. wrap yourself in cellophane. <laughs> the fungus called Candida auris, that's Candida, A-U-R-I-S, was first identified in Japan in 2009 in the ear canal of a 70-year-old woman and has since spread around the world. That is a very specific piece of information. Yeah. It was in an ear canal of a 70-year-old Japanese woman. Yeah. Well, that's not where it came from. I understand. But that's where they first but discovered it. Yeah. pretty amazing reporting. Yeah. It's caused several outbreaks in at least 55 hospitals across Britain, infecting more than 200 patients, and is linked to the deaths of eight. It's called a superbug because it's proved resistant to drug treatment, Researchers believe that as global temperatures have warmed, Candida auris evolved to thrive in conditions which mirror the internal temperatures of your body, 98.6, making you, Mike, a perfect breeding ground. It's the first thing I've been a perfect breeding ground for. Yeah. Yeah. And as an added bonus, the climate crisis may lead to new fungal diseases that we don't even know about right now. This is exciting, Mike. It is exciting. Yeah, really. You're re- very excited. We're on the we're on the the yeah. verge, the edge of a new a whole new wave of ways to die. I just I can't wait till all that starts to happen. And this is the thing about fungus. This is one of the dangerous things about this particular disease, yeah. is that fungus is very adaptable. Healthy patients can usually fend off the fungus. Those with compromised immune systems can develop internal infections which can prove fatal or cause major disabilities like hearing loss. And think of this not like you've got an immune system that's terminally bad. You could have a cold yeah. and get the fungus. You could have a flu and get the fungus. Right. And you could be seriously Slightly compromised, compromised yeah, yeah, and then suddenly this thing finds a way in. 
On a slightly brighter side, a not-so-Armageddon-ish side, four automakers from three continents struck a deal with California to produce fleets that are more fuel-efficient, undercutting one of the Trump administration's most ignorant climate policy rollbacks. Although they're all pretty, pretty ignorant. Yeah, I, yeah that's really, yeah, that's really being the tallest midget <laughs> yeah. in the room, isn't yeah. it? I mean, yeah. California offered, you got to say, small person. Small person. Or little, I, I probably shouldn't person. have even said yeah. anything. Yeah, actually, right, yeah. it was a bad. <laughs> I take. <laughs> we're going to edit that the out. Tallest, of the final. not so large person. Yeah, I'm yeah. sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> oh, don't be sorry. Yeah, all right. Yeah. Midget. Midget. <laughs> midget. Sorry. Midget. Yeah. Sorry. Midget. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. We said it. Got got that off my chest. Jesus. California offered the Trump administration to join them in this. You know, they did it in secret, but then when they, they sprung it, yeah, which was yesterday, I think, yeah. they, they offered it to the Trump administration to hop on board. Of course, the Trump officials quickly rejected the idea of science. The compromise between the California Air Resources Board and Ford, Honda, Volkswagen, and BMW of North America came after weeks of secret negotiations and could shape future U.S. vehicle production. Yes. Thank you, California. Meanwhile, Republican lawmakers are trying to relax gas mileage standards for our cars, pickups, and SUVs. A huge regulatory rollback that would freeze mileage requirements for cars and light trucks next fall at 37 miles per gallon on average, rather than raising them over time to about 51 miles per gallon for 2025 models. That's what Obama wanted to do. Right. That would have put us on track right. for some progress here right. in the climate crisis. The thing that's so distressing on, it's distressing on many levels, but the thing that's hard to explain, even in the crazy that is Donald Trump, these things were working, and industry was adapting and moving forward and actually taking some advantage of this new te technology to create a better car. It's not as if it was regressive and they couldn't build a car that would run. It was working out. Yeah. And everyone understood what the big picture. Well, not everyone. Well, not apparently everyone. Yeah. I agree. The drawback is it's a little more expensive. To invest in new technology. And now it's more expensive. In the long term, of course. it'll be much less. Exactly right. And it will also help mitigate the amount of money that we as a society are going to have to deploy in order to mitigate the damage done by rolling back this regulation. The Republican proposal would also revoke California's longstanding authority to set its own rules under the Clean Air Act a practice the federal government has backed for decades. So we're going to have all sorts of challenges now. Right. That was Trump's ruling. Not a single state should set this standard, a White House spokesman said. Under the California Accord, the four companies which represent about 30% of the U.S. auto market have agreed to produce fleets averaging nearly 50 miles per gallon by the year 2026. Could be better. Yeah. It could really be better. Because oh, yeah. that's, that's an average, and I'm sure they take into account electric vehicles. Yes. Those damn states' rights people. Boy, those damn radical democratic states' rights people. We got to do something about that. From The Intercept, the plastics industry is suppressing efforts to reduce plastic waste. It wants you to think that recycling will solve the problem, basically. They're behind all these recycling programs, yeah. but they're producing much more plastic. That's right. And that's the big problem. Yeah. We have too much plastic now. Yes. In 2015, the U.S. recycled just 9% of its plastic waste. And since then, the number has dropped even lower. The vast majority of the 8.3 billion metric 
tons of plastic that we've produced ever, ever, 83 billion metric tons, 79% of that has ended up in landfills or scattered around the world. Yeah, in, other words, in the oceans, the oceans. around on, yeah. just So just about 80% of the plastic we've created is in our environment, and we got to do something about it now. Right. Forget about recycling. There's only 9% of that that we're even recycling, and that's going into landfills. Right. Or getting burned. As we said last week, there's already way too much plastic that won't decompose and has nowhere to go. Nowhere to go. This year, the U.S. sent 931 million kilograms of plastic waste to China and Hong Kong, but much of the recycled plastic scrap appears to have been burned or buried instead of being recycled. Again, too much plastic and recycling's not working, and yet the plastic industry is making it sound like plastic recycling really is the way to go it's, here. It's clever on one perverse level, and that is you feel good you're, yeah. As a consumer, when you see the little triangle with the arrows and you you see the, the container there and you put your water bottle in there and you think, well, I'm, I'm an environmentalist yeah. on some crazy level. But you most think you of are. it is getting burned. Most of it now. And or China, China was, is, is, has begun not accepting our recycling material. The problem, the brunt of the problem is being dumped on the less fortunate and less powerful. They, they put incinerators in poor neighborhoods in the U.S., and because the U.S. can no longer ship to China, much of that waste is going to Turkey, Senegal, and other countries that are ill-equipped to deal with it. Now, microplastics are everywhere. One study found microplastics in the Pyrenees Mountains, in the air there, 100 miles from the nearest city, plastic in the air. Another found that microplastics are being turned into sewage sludge and spread on fields that grow food. Right. Yummy. The oceans now contain over 150 million tons of plastic crap, a mass expected soon to surpass the weight of all the fish in the sea. Yeah. They're eating plastic, which is eventually going to affect their ability to reproduce, to be healthy at all. The solution has to start with the manufacturers. The manufacturers of all the products, when you go into into a store and you see all this stuff wrapped in plastic, they bear some responsibility for where it ends up. And until we put the pressure on manufacturers to either produce things that are biodegradable, truly biodegradable, and getting away from plastic, then this isn't going to go away. Well, there's no cleaning it up. Right. That's a problem. There is no cleaning it up. (laughs) Bottled water now contains plastic as well. A 2018 study found that 93% of bottled water samples contained microplastics. The worst was Nestle Pure Life, <laughs> Jesus, which claims that its water goes through a 12-step quality process so you can trust every drop <laughs> to have plastic in it. <laughs> Jesus By God. the way, yeah, it's another thing. Yeah. One other issue in all this, I'll leave it alone after this, and that is the water that's in those <laughs> bottles, We, it's our water. Yeah. We're paying for the, the systems that deliver that water to these companies. Yeah. And in a related story from Inverse, in 2008, consumers began to ditch the popular Nalgene water bottle over concerns about BPA, a chemical that could leach from it and cause changes to the body's hormonal system. Nalgene eventually reformulated the plastics and the entire industry of packaged food and food container producers followed suit by replacing the chemical with substitute compounds called BPF and BPS. Unfortunately, a new study has revealed that these plastics 
aren't much safer and still affect our health. <sighs> You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM, Irvine, California. Visit us at facebook.com slash KUCI 88.9 on our Tumblr blog at KUCIRadio.tumblr.com on Twitter at KUCI-FM on Instagram at KUCI-FM. Stream us live on TuneIn and go to iTunes to uh, Internet, College University, KUCI 88.9 FM. What is it, Mahler? What? You want a Trump story? Mahler wants a Trump story. He wants a tw- yeah. We w- okay, here is, we go. Is this end with him... In jail? Maybe. (laughs) India and Pakistan have been in each other's throat over Kashmir for as long as both countries have existed. Yes. We know that. Two nuclear powers have fought several wars over the disputed territory, and they're always at each other. But from New York Magazine, dishonest Donald, our president, Trump, announced in a meeting with Pakistan Prime Minister Imran Khan that... Indian Prime Minister Narendra Modi had invited him to mediate the subject of Kashmir. <laughs> then guess what happens, Mahler? Guess what? <laughs> That's right. India denied inviting Trump the offer. They said, we didn't do this. We didn't invite Trump no, to of mediate. He, no. In fact, India has long maintained that it will not accept any outside mediation. Yeah, there's Trump. That's been their policy. Screwing things up again, too. Yeah, yeah. Screwing up world diplomacy with his big mouth. Yeah. Shut up, Donald! This is your great-uncle Kanush at the Thanksgiving table. Yeah, Baba Ganoush. Baba Ganoush making stuff up, and everyone is looking at each other and pretending that nothing is happening, yeah, and yeah. this is what is happening. According to Trump's own account of him being offered to mediate, he had no idea how long the conflict was even going on. And, <laughs> well, and our guess is he couldn't locate India on a map. Yeah, or Kashmir. Let alone Pakistan or Kashmir. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. How is that, Molly? You hey, like that? Well, yeah. But again, imagine, imagine if, I don't know, Barack Obama, Ronald Reagan, you name a president in the last 30 years, who made something up yeah. regarding one of the most dangerous geopolitical situation in the entire world. India and Pakistan, both nuclear weapon sworn enemies, and Kashmir is essentially a giant open wound between the two of them. Kashmir is in the top two or three most dangerous situations of the world. And here's our president lying about it. Unfortunately... His followers don't have a brain, so this well, they doesn't mean no, anything They to have them. no idea that it happened. Yeah, exactly. In a week when Robert Mueller said on TV what everyone who knows how to read could have figured out themselves, like Russia attacked the 2016 election to help Trump because they believed a Trump presidency would benefit Russia, and like the Trump campaign was aware of and welcomed that attack and did not at any point report it to law enforcement, and like Trump campaign officials had at least 140 contacts with Russian nationals and also did not report that. In fact, he, Trump, and his people lied relentlessly about it to cover it up. These aren't my opinions. No. This is just fact. And like... 
Trump repeatedly obstructed the investigation into a hostile foreign powers attack on American democracy and whether his associates played a role. And like the president could not be charged with a crime while in office. And that's why Trump wasn't indicted for obstruction of justice. But he could be charged after he leaves. We knew all this stuff. Yes, we did. And by the way, even though Trump said Mueller corrected that statement, Trump lied again. Mueller did not correct the statement that the president could be charged with a crime after he leaves office. He corrected his definitive statement that the only reason Trump was not indicted was the Justice Department regulation against indicting a sitting president. You know what else we learned this week from Mueller? That we, Mueller? Mueller. You know what we learned this week from Mueller that we already knew? Russia is meddling in the 2020 election as we speak. Yes. We knew that. We don't need... Well, I guess we do need Robert Mueller to tell us because everybody is fixed on their TVs and they don't know how to read. That's why Trump's president. That's why Trump's president. It is why Trump is well, president. All this was going yeah. on this week. Senate Republicans blocked two election security bills and a cybersecurity measure. While we're being told that our election is going to be tampered with, right. the, Rus- the Republicans, I might as well say the Russians, the Russian Republicans are preventing right. us from doing anything right. about it. Right. In testimony by Mueller in front of the Intelligence Committee and the Judiciary Committee, two of the most important committees in terms of gaining access to information about what's actually happening, we're being told. By the way, I'm referring to them as Vichy Republicans. Vichy Republicans, yeah. The two bills would have required campaigns to alert the FBI and the Federal Election Commission about foreign offers of assistance and let the Senate sergeant-at-arms offer voluntary cyber assistance for personal devices and accounts of seniors and staff. Election interference bills, they're going to be knocked down in the Senate, where Republicans aren't expected to move legislation through the Rules Committee, the panel with the primary jurisdiction, they've warned about attempts to federalize the election. It's the opposite of what they say about auto pollution standards. Yeah. They don't want California to have their own rules, right. but they want all the states to have their own rules about guarding the federal election. How does that even make sense? It, it doesn't. It, it serves their own particular interest. Yeah. This is what I would do. I would say to the states, you can decide what you want to do with your elections. However, every four years, we elect a president. And that's a federal office. And so if you want to continue to elect a president, you have to abide by these rules once every four years. And if they choose to go back and forth, hopscotch back and forth, that's up to them. But establish a standard, a federal standard that is for that presidential election year. Meanwhile, the Senate Intelligence Committee concluded that election systems in all 50 states were targeted by Russia in 2016, an effort far more reaching than previously acknowledged and one largely undetected by the states and federal officials at the time. But while the bipartisan reports warning that the United States remains vulnerable in the next election is clear, its findings were so heavily redacted at the insistence of American intelligence agencies that even some key recommendations for 2020 were blacked out. So we don't even know what to do now about this. I'm sure eventually we will. But 2020, it's upon us. Yeah. We had four years. Right. We knew about this four years ago. The fact that the Russians have apparently been hacking into all across America. Let's just say you develop a voter profile of an entire state. Let's say you're a high-propensity Democratic voter. If you flipped one out of every 20 
of those, just randomly, the people who fit that profile, one out of 20, you've affected the election 5%. Mm -hmm. In America today, 5% is a landslide. (laughs) From Politico, the Commerce Department has reached its apex of dysfunction under Wilbur Ross. Yes. The 81-year-old Commerce Secretary spends much of his time asleep. (laughs) Asleep. Asleep. Or at the White House kissing Trump's fanny. (laughs) leaving Wilbur's department adrift. With our ongoing trade wars and the census looming, commerce needs functional leadership to be effective, and right now they just don't have it, said Theo Lecomte, a former top commerce official in the Obama administration who speaks often with former colleagues. So he's relaying what's going on on the inside. Ross doesn't hold routine meetings with senior staffers, according to a person familiar with the department's inner workings. Uh, A departure from past practice that one source said was due to Wilbur's lack of stamina. (laughs) I wouldn't put it that way. (laughs) Wilbur's lack of life. The light is dimming over at the the Department of Commerce. Yeah, that happens. But it's time to move on here. There's a small window where he's able to focus and pay attention and not fall asleep. I think he's done doing damage at commerce, Mike. Okay. Yeah, well, this is this gone. is the same. This he may be the most corrupt of all the the cabinet officials and that's saying something. He was the one who's who was part of the Bank of Cyprus, a Russian money laundering operation. He's been involved in a lot of very very shady financial yeah. deals. At the present rate, there's going to be 10 billion people on the planet in 2050, Mike. How many? 10 billion. How do we keep them healthy and fed? Most of the science believes that in order for this planet to truly maintain, sustain itself, the population should be somewhere between 3 and 4 billion. Yeah. According to a new report, we will need sweeping changes to farming and how we produce food. And you make a good point, Mike. We get these reports all the time, but... You ever think about maybe population control? Yeah. Maybe talking to the Pope. Mr. Ehrlich was right. Yeah. You know, just, you know, he got a lot of crap for what he said back in the yeah. 60s. Yeah, we well, shouldn't have set a timeline. Yeah. He said his timeline, like, I, I forget exactly, it was 1990 or the yeah. turn of the century when we were going to feel the impacts. We felt the impacts, but we also had advances in agriculture right. that allowed us to feed a lot more right. people. So, But the basic concept is there has to be some measure of population control, which means giving women power over their own bodies, giving them economic opportunity and, yeah. and educating them, and that will self-regulate the, the planet. Well, according to this new report, we'll need sweeping changes in farming and how we produce food. We need to dramatically reduce the estimated one-third of food that is lost or wasted, from scaling up solar-powered cold storage units on farm to using natural compounds that inhibit bacterial growth and retain water in fruit in order to extend shelf life at retail stores. This is already going on. Mm-hmm. We need to shift the diets of high meat consumers toward plant-based foods, Meat, particularly from cattle, sheep, and goats, is very resource-intensive. We use a lot of stuff to make it. It's not worth it. Right. And now burgers made up uh, like 20 to 35% mushrooms and all plant burgers that taste pretty darn good. Yeah. They're fine. Yes. Try a turkey burger. Yeah. Try a turkey burger. But you're right. The Impossible Food and uh, the other ones are good. Yeah. The report also says governments provide nearly $600 billion in annual subsidies to agriculture, and those that favor meat and dairy production should be phased out. Yep. We need to boost crop yields, 
To prevent more land from being used for agriculture, we need major improvements in feed quality and grazing management. It also requires finding ways to get more than one crop harvest per year, which will in turn require better crop breeding techniques. If we were being run by a functioning government, this would be an initiative. This would be a federally financed, federally supported initiative. And we need to improve wild fisheries management and aquaculture. Overfishing can be reduced by eliminating much of the $35 billion in annual global fisheries subsidies. Fisheries are a nightmare. The amount of money that's being spent on fisheries and what they actually, the, the social benefit, is not worth it. If you're interested in all this, the report is called Creating a Sustainable Food Future, and you can find it at WRR dash food dot wri dot org yeah that's right Bob. that's right yeah. <laughs> and finally yeah do you want to rehash any of the molar stuff or are you we did kind of well kind of we already knew this stuff the only thing i can say is i'm tired of people turning everything into a spectacle yeah muller is old yeah he's tired yeah he didn't want to do this. Right. He gets up in front of Congress, and now everybody's criticizing either the way he's done this or, oh, now what are the Democrats going to do because he didn't send off flares and say, yeah. Trump is guilty, put him in jail. Right. He wasn't going to do that. Right. We know if you read the report, right. God damn it. <laughs> exactly. You know, and I'm really disgusted with Matt Taibbi. Yes. He, he put, did you read that? No, I didn't About, read it, but I know he's... The general. myth of Robert Mueller exploded. In other words... He's not the man we thought he was. And no, no, he's a different kind of person. He's a Republican, for one thing. Yes, he's a Republican. And he took his time and he laid out what he had done in the report. Right. And if he seemed a little lost at times, well, for Christ's sakes, it was like six months ago when he did the report. I'm sure he wasn't sitting around his home rereading his report. Right. You asked for him to come. He answered your questions. Now shut the F up right. and get on with impeaching a corrupt law-breaking president. Thank you. And finally, a Colombia man was arrested at Barcelona's International Airport after half a kilo of cocaine was found under his bulging toupee. You can subscribe to the Weekly Signals Weekly Review podcast at weeklysignals.com. Weeklysignals.com. Subscribe now.